Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sex Ed Shouldn't Suck. I'm Kaylee. And it's just me. (laughs) Jen is on vacation right now and does not have their microphone, so I will be taking over all of the intro and outro duties for this episode. But don't worry, Jen will be there for the actual interview where we are talking to Blair from Talk Purity to Me. We will be discussing, you guessed it, purity culture. Fun! It'll be a good opportunity for people who don't know about purity culture to learn about it, and it will also maybe be a cathartic experience for those of us like me who had to experience it. So, hope you enjoy! Hi, Blair. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thanks. Thank you all for having me. Of course, we're really excited to talk to you today. We ask all of our guests to share their pronouns, if you don't mind. Yeah, mine are she, her. Perfect. Sweet. So what was your sex ed experience like? This could be from school, your family, church. It's probably going to play a big part into what your sex ed experience was like. <laughs> So early on, um, like for a lot of elementary school, I was homeschooled for sort of religious reasons and also sort of just we lived in an area that didn't have good schools and my parents didn't want us to go there. So the but the sex ed at home was not really a thing. Um, <laughs> I think definitely like my parents weren't really prepared to talk to us about sex education or anything Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. and then you know once I got into public school there was some sex education but if if you live in the United States you might know if you don't you might not be aware like public school like sex education is still very much uh, sometimes very religiously um, backed or based or whatever Mm -hmm. like it's a lot of abstinence only. That's the kind of sex ed that I got in my public school. Wow. Mm-hmm. Not a private school. This was not a Christian school. This wasn't homeschool. This was a public, Tax publicly funded. funded school. Yeah. So, so they, they talked about religion specifically in your public it school? Was, it was, they didn't talk about religion specifically, but it was like religious-based, like developed curriculum, and it was abstinence gotcha. only. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. What part of the country was this in? In Georgia. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so my guess was going to be South or Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's wild. I mean, yeah. I know that that's still, that's actually still a thing in a mm-hmm. lot of parts of the country as well, which is crazy yeah. to think about. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. We, we've talked on a previous episode about, sort of outside curriculum and getting uh, funding, uh, additional funding for sex ed programs. And a lot of the curriculums are come out of religious organizations that teach abstinence only and teach yeah. like factually incorrect things. And they <laughs> right. have to teach it if they want the funding. So yeah, it's all, it's all fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was really a big thing when we were young as well, mm-hmm. where there was abstinence only sex ed. And that's how a lot of schools were getting funding which I think is basically what you were just saying Jen. yeah but I wanted yeah. to hear it in my voice so <laughs> I could just cut out everything I said, you said. 
That's wild. I I wonder what it would feel like to be a non-religious parent and send your kid to school there. (laughs) I can only imagine, like, there weren't... So, it it was a very conservative area in a very conservative state, you know? So, I mean... (laughs) They're, like, like, great. (laughs) Like, the teacher... Like, I think about this all the time. Um, Have y'all ever seen the Franco Zeffirelli um, Romeo and Juliet movie? Yes. It's like the old one with, I think her name is Olivia Hussey. I think it's her name. <laughs> Olivia yes, Hussey. I have seen. Okay, so there's a scene in there where, like, she doesn't, she's not clothed, so you can see her breasts. And my English teacher would cover up that scene. <laughs> that is the type of school that I went to, just to, like, maybe give you a bigger picture. It wasn't just <laughs> in the, like, health class. It was, like, Every area of the school is like very conservative, and it was like mm-hmm. there's no reason for that. But anyway, that's just like another side note, just to paint a picture a little bit. That's amazing. Right. <laughs> if you can't see the boobs, you won't know that they exist, right? And you'll right. be able to just stay your whole life with that. I'm sad your teacher them. didn't know about clean flicks. <laughs> Could have saved Honestly, her a lot of time. <laughs> she would hold a poster board up and like she would be watching from behind the poster board for that scene to end and then she would take the poster board away. What a what a valiant sacrifice on her part to be willing to see the boob to shield the rest of you from it. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> so school didn't give you great information. What did you learn? At, at church or in any of your religious groups? Yeah. So around age 13, I started going to a house church, um, which is a lot of very, very like fundamentalist or more conservative churches meet in homes because a lot of times they like don't have enough people to fund having a real building. So they have to meet out of someone's home mm-hmm. because they're, their ideology is so niche that they can't have like actual <laughs> churches. Um, so I started going to one of those, um, not with my parents. It was at, it was actually at my best friend's house at the time. And it was her oh. house. It was her parents had this house church. And that's how I got into, I would, I mean, definitely my most, most conservative like thoughts and everything mm-hmm. were like, I I was Mm -hmm. getting all this from the house church setting and they talked a lot about dating and sex and courting and sorry about my dog. No, it's okay. (laughs) No worries. She's she's protecting the house. Um, (laughs) If you had to describe the niche of Christianity that this was, how would you describe it? It kind of sounds a little quiverful. It kind of sounds a fundamentalist, like it kind of a mix of all of those. Yeah, so it's like if you looked at us, we probably wouldn't like, like we didn't dress in like jeans and you know jean skirts and all that stuff. Like we like literally the pastor who the pastor who was my best friend's dad. He described it as like the radical middle, and that's if that gives you any idea. Like, why did that give me shivers? I was like, right. still remember that i still remember him like talking about that so it was like the 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 thinking was super fundamentalist like yeah i would say as fundamentalist as you can get but you would never 
walk into this home like they had an amazing home everyone was dressed very well they were very successful like business people they weren't like the people who had like 12 kids and like lived in a two-bedroom home like mm-hmm. the Duggar style mm-hmm. they they weren't that <laughs> yeah but gotcha. the thinking was still very much that <laughs> okay yeah yeah was this was your friend's dad did he have any kind of education to be a pastor or was this just like a... I don't think so. <laughs> Interesting. And yeah. people were into that and wanted to go to his church? Yeah, it made it like the whole vibe was meant to feel like very collaborative, but it was very clear that he was still like the leader because it was like his home and he was yeah. the one, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's so hard to describe unless you've been in these environments, but I mean, it was like, I loved it. I was like eating it up. Um, yeah. Was there separate, like, I guess, lessons for younger people, like teens? Or were you all together? So a lot of times we would all start out together. And then the teens would go break off and do like their own thing that we would like do a little Bible study for a little bit and then like play ping pong or like, you know, do go whatever, do yeah. Do, stuff but the like big sex ed thing like when one saturday night like it was we were gonna open it up to like anyone in the area that wanted to come to have Mm -hmm. this like it was called like night of purity i'm fairly certain and there was like probably close to like a hundred people in the house for this like thing this like talk about sex and dating wow it was really really wild like my best friend was joking that it was like breakup night because like everyone all the teens who were like dating were gonna come and hear this message (laughs) and then they would like want to do what god wanted them to do which was like to stop dating and like only court the person you know Mm -hmm. you're gonna marry and she was Mm -hmm. like everyone's gonna be like breaking up tonight and i was like (laughs) Yeah, like I, I was just totally going along with it. But. That is so real. I used to go to these uh, Christian camps every summer, and my my friends and I we like we there was one year that they were like really hitting us heavy with the purity culture stuff, and my friends and I all went home and broke up with our boyfriends. <laughs> And then I gave him, I I broke up with him and then I gave him the book Wild at Heart. (laughs) You'll have to describe what that book is. I don't know what it is. It's, (laughs) it's aimed at men. Oh, okay. (laughs) But there's a woman version of it too called Captivating. And that's the one that I read. And it's, it's written by this husband wife couple, but like the husband wrote, I can't remember their names. Is it Eldridge? That sounds right. Uh, but it's basically like a book about how to be a man of God is, I guess, what I would call it. So it, it's really about being like a warrior poet is what they call it. And what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> for God? Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's about being like a um, a good husband, a good partner, a godly man. <laughs> the the tagline I'm seeing here is discovering the secret of a man's soul. <laughs> Was was your boyfriend Christian, like religious? Kid, no, or? not he would go to um, church with my family, but not really. Mm-hmm. He was gotcha. just sort of one of those people that was like, just I don't know, 
not not Christian, but not Christian, <laughs> which was not okay for me to be. Yeah, dating. didn't really have strong <laughs> strong thoughts on it either way. Yeah. Oh, and I also bought myself a purity ring. That's what I did. I bought myself a purity ring, broke up with my boyfriend, and gave him wild at heart. It was a really good time in my life. Things were wow. going a very great. transformative time. <laughs> You mentioned courting, so this kind of brings us into some of the vernacular and whatnot of purity culture, which I think, I don't know that we've talked about it in detail a ton on the podcast, Jen. Mm -hmm. Could you kind of give like an overview of what purity culture is for us, Blair? So, you know. I can definitely talk about it from the Christian perspective. I know different religions have different like versions of this, um, different degrees of, you know, purity culture rules. But like when I was growing up, it was, it was all very much about like your worth being tied to whether or not you've had sex. And Mm -hmm. sometimes even like whether or not you've had like sexual, I don't, I want to be careful about what words I use, but basically, even if you had had any kind of sexual contact against your will, Mm -hmm. your worth was definitely tied to that too. So it was very shame based, very like victim blamey culture about you need to be on guard protecting your virginity and you need to let your father help you protect your virginity and let your father pick the people that you are gonna date or not like yeah in a lot of like modesty culture wrapped into that that like yeah what you wear determines how people think about you and like the sinful thoughts they have about you. And that is entirely your fault mm-hmm. and 100% on your little 12 year old shoulders to not have a spaghetti strap in church. Cause yep. the 40 year old men will think of you will sexually. Like it's, <laughs> that's kind of a very brief definition of like the culture that's around, yeah. you know, purity in the church. There was a lot of books as well that came around, out around the time that we were all young and, and going through purity culture that really, in my opinion, pushed it a level further. So a lot of the books that I read said that you should guard not only your body, but also your heart from people. So one of the books, uh, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but I want to say it was when God writes your love story was saying that even a relationship, if you have a relationship that's not even sexual at all, and then you break up, that's like a tiny divorce. That's like giving a part of your heart away to someone that's not your husband. A tiny divorce. (laughs) Yeah. I remember being so afraid of like, I don't know, like, I was so obsessed with this concept of emotional purity, too. Yeah. Which I know is, like, diverts a little bit from sexual purity, but it's related. It's all all wrapped into the same thing, same teachings. Like, you can't even have sexual thoughts. Like, even if they're not attached to, like, another human. Like, even if you're just, like, I don't know, watching a movie and, like, you, like, feel a little something about this romantic storyline. You can't Mm -hmm. even have romantic thoughts, really. Like, if you don't have, like, a husband to, like, attach those thoughts to, like, you shouldn't even be thinking romantic or sexual things at all. Mm -hmm. It's extremely isolating. 
Yeah. And it forces you to pretty much, I mean, the idea is that you're supposed to rely on Jesus for all of your emotional needs. And then I guess maybe your father <laughs> until you get married totally doesn't create any daddy issues at all. Uh, <laughs> are, are boys expected to also be that way about Jesus and their mothers? Like, are they allowed to, <laughs> and do they rely no. on their mothers? Okay. No. Jen, boys don't need emotional support, obviously. I guess they're teaching boys to like be the leaders of their wives and households or whatever. So they, I don't know what they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, actually exactly that. You hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, are y'all familiar with, Girl defined. Do y'all know who and what they are? I feel like I am familiar, but I could not tell you what it is. So, like, they are very much purity culture in the now. Like, they are they're perpetuating purity culture in the present day. Like, they have conferences and books and podcasts and Instagram and TikTok and oh, they're doing it all right now. But like she, I, there's two sisters. It's two sisters that do this, um, Bethany and Kristen. And I, I'm pretty sure it was Bethany one time was talking about how she is currently practicing, like being submissive to a husband. This was years ago because she's married now, but she was talking about it like, you know, she she was practicing for her future husband and being submissive by practicing submission in her relationships with like brothers and her father no so so yeah everything is great it's like really incestuous like it makes me it gives me the major ick like i i don't you're gonna kill me it's bad bad. i'm i'm looking at their web page now and their youtube videos it's definitely like so, like it's branded as sort of this like lifestyle brand, like mm-hmm. it, uh, aspirational. Like you should want to be like them. Is it wrong to have zero desire for marriage as a woman? Probably in their view. <laughs> the, the video is just <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so yeah, back to the the actual content of purity culture. Mm-hmm. It also strikes me as them trying to create specifically women who have no experience or understanding of what a relationship healthy or otherwise should look like. Like they're creating people who specifically have no frame of reference for sex, sex, sexuality, relationships, how to even communicate with your partner is, do you think that's on purpose? Do you think that is a specific thing they're trying to do? Yeah. um, Purity culture definitely infantilizes people and kind of like shuts down any kind of, emotional emotionally healthy relationships or understanding of your body it really very much wants to keep people in like a very young mindset so that pretty much when they get married like your husband molds you into the person he wants you to be because you are not supposed to have any like knowledge or experiences Mm -hmm. or preferences you're only supposed to like find your husband and then, like, he gets to tell you, like, what kind of sexual person you're going to be based on his preferences. Yeah, which in their heads, ideally, is like, you know, the husband is looking to God for direction. And then the husband tells the wife and the rest of the family what God has 
told him is his will. It's, uh, and God's will is that we have sex every night. <laughs> with God no, cares about that. With no foreplay. <laughs> right. Just going in dry. <laughs> well, yeah. that, that's where a lot of this gets really dangerous, right? Because purity culture absolutely does not teach women about consent or boundaries because the idea is that, well, it kind of does this thing where it teaches women consent and boundaries at 100% until they're married. And then they're just supposed to have absolutely zero consent and boundaries when it comes to their husband, because they should always be submitting. They should always be willing. There's never a reason you would tell your husband you don't want to have sex when you're married. It's And it's still alive and well. Like I... You know, I live in South Carolina now. Um, I live in Bob Jones country, if anyone's familiar. I work literally two minutes away from Bob Jones University, one of the most conservative (laughs) Christian universities in the country. So that's what I think people don't understand. It's like there's like a certain element of purity culture where it's like funny and fun to like point and laugh because Mm -hmm. it is so ridiculous. However, it is still going on it's still very alive like I worked with a girl who was 20 pretty sure she was 21 when she got married recently and she like I was I was talking to her like she opened up to me about certain things like with her husband and the honeymoon and like pain and I was like Mm. you know it's not uncommon but it's it's not something you have to accept. Like, it's not like you, you can get help for this. Like there's Mm -hmm. people and resources and things you can do. Like you're not broken because you have painful sex, but it's, you know, there's, there's things you can do to help. Mm -hmm. And she was like, felt very pressured, even though it was painful for her to still continue Mm -hmm. to please her husband. And I was like, Okay, like, I mean, I, I, do, I, I was, like, really trying to walk a line of, like, I don't want to be overbearing and, like, mm-hmm. like cut off this communication that she feels comfortable talking to me about this. But it, I was so upset for her. I was like, why would your husband want to have sex with you if you're in really immense pain? I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Um, I would have brought, like, a whole basket of lube in the next day and, like, tried this. <laughs> Also, Honestly. Also, like, here's a book <laughs> on foreplay. Just give these to your husband. I, Just scatter them around the house and so maybe he'll find them. I was telling her, like, you know, maybe try different lubes. I was like, maybe get a vibrator so you can sort of figure things out. Maybe on your own it might help, you know, because she'd never explored anything like this. And she, oh. she felt that having a vibrator was... Cheating. In a sense, cheating on her husband, taking away from their sexual relationship. Can he even find her clitoris? That's the first question. <laughs> Come on. Sorry. I'm I'm angry. I'm, no, you're like trying honestly. to be very, very like polite about it. I'm like, here's a fucking diagram. I was literally like, I like at Target, they sell vibrators. Like you can be yeah. very discreet. You can just like do a drive up order if you want. Like no one cares. Like those people, yeah. no, no one cares. Just go get a vibrator. Go get some lube. Like, and she can do it with her husband. Like she doesn't have to be like secretive about 
her vibrator. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves. Like if your partner, I don't care who it is, gender, anything. If your partner is intimidated by a vibrator, there's other issues going on. Like <laughs> that is not, that is not okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> That's a yeah. controlled ego problem for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Or something. Yeah. So coming back to like your experience in purity culture, how how do you think learning about sex through a purity culture kind of lens affected you? And then what made you kind of start to reject that reject it? Like what was that journey? Well, it definitely affected me in some pretty extreme ways. And it took me a long time to realize that like the things that I was experiencing were not normal or healthy. Like I, the first time I held hands with a guy was 18 years old. I was in college and I cried for days afterwards because I thought that I had cheated on my future husband by holding hands with a guy who I wanted to hold hands with. Like this is where, like it's, I, I was so like, I didn't even consider that like, maybe this wasn't normal. I was just like, I feel terrible because I have Mm -hmm. sinned Mm -hmm. by cheating on my future husband. Like I didn't even consider that like, maybe I shouldn't feel this way. (laughs) Like that was not on the radar at all. And like, I just realized, like, as I got older and was in different situations, like, hookups, et cetera, where I felt very unprepared and didn't know how to say no, Mm -hmm. didn't know what was coming. I was just very naive about a lot of things on purpose. Like, people purposely kept me naive, and it really, like, created a lot of not great situations in, like, my early 20s. And then... I started realizing, like, I shouldn't feel this way. Like, my peers don't do this kind of thing. Like, I remember one time I just, I was just, I made out with a guy that was it. Nothing beyond that. And I'm I'm not saying it would have been bad to, you know, do more, but it's important mm-hmm. for the context of the story because <laughs> we only made out, right? Mm-hmm. The next morning I was so scared that I might be pregnant that I oh. bought and took Plan <laughs> B. I'm sorry. Oh I'm laughing gosh. at you. No, no. I. It's weird. I can laugh at it now. However, yeah. like it was I fully very understand. real fear that I had. Yeah. Because was that because you didn't understand how sex worked or because you, you thought you had done something sexual? It was like in my head, I absolutely knew that it was no way possible that a pregnancy could occur. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's such an intense fear of any kind of sexual anything that mm-hmm. I was just like, my brain wouldn't like let go of the thought that it maybe it's possible. Like, yeah, I just it was such a fear based reaction. It was like I knew that it wasn't possible, like even mm-hmm. in my head, like on the way to the pharmacy. I'm like, it's not possible. But that didn't stop the like irrational mm-hmm. fear because it was so deep. And yeah. I, I told that story on my TikTok or mm-hmm. maybe Instagram, I don't know, a, a while ago, probably like 2020 or early 2021. 
And I had so many people message me and say, I'm, I was too embarrassed to comment this, but I did the exact same thing. Yeah. Or I, I know someone who did the exact same thing. So like I say all these stories because I used to think I was the only one. And then I realized like, there's no way possible. I'm the only one. Let me just tell this story because every time I do, people are like, now I don't feel like such an idiot. Like, (laughs) like now I feel like the things that I did while they weren't rational, they were actually very logical based on like how I grew up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, part of the reason I laughed so hard was how relatable that was. Like my friend group and I used to think you could get pregnant from fingering. Like my brain like would be like, but what if he like somehow had a piece, like a single pre-cum on his finger when he fingered me on the outside and then it like crawled its way up. Like I could convince myself that pregnancy was possible from so many different things so it's just like yeah i mean it's it's exactly what you said you, they keep you naive and then the idea of getting pregnant outside of marriage is the most shameful thing that will not only you'll have a child that you need to take care of because you cannot get an abortion if mm-hmm. you're in that like kind of culture but no one will ever want to marry you because you have physical proof that you were not pure before getting married. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, I had that really, I had a huge fear of pregnancy, even like years after being in a stable relationship, like, mm-hmm. you know, like I was just so afraid and I like actually um, went through Erica Smith's purity culture dropout program and I talked to her about this like I was like I just can't get past this fear like it is so real and like I don't it's just something I really struggle with even in this relationship where I know like you know we're stable like everything is fine and Mm -hmm. she was like you need to just make a list of like what is the worst thing that can happen if you get pregnant and like I was like okay like yeah I'll do that (laughs) and it was like you know nothing like I I would have a loving family and supportive partner you know what I mean it's like yeah once you get past the like fear of like sinning and looking sinful it's like you realize it's it is going to be okay like I know not everyone is ready for a child Mm -hmm. uh, to have a child and if you don't want one you shouldn't have to but (laughs) you know if you if you do get pregnant and you want to have a baby like I I do hope you have that support and yeah um, yeah yeah so when you were working through dismantling your your beliefs around purity culture, did that affect your faith at all? Yeah, it was very much intertwined. So there wasn't really a way for me personally to separate the two. I know some yeah. people do, and I, I think that's wonderful. But I... Like, once I started realizing, like, certain things didn't make sense, like, it really all just started to not make much sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, because I was in, like I said, I was in a very, like, very fundamental thinking sort of background. So there was just a lot of things that were making me, like, physically ill and, like, yeah. Very like unstable mentally that I had to, like I would not have survived 
if I had stayed. <laughs> so yeah. I just had to get out. I can imagine that was a very difficult time in your life. I know dismantling faith, especially when it's something that you're brought up in that maybe all of your friends and family are part of. It can be really painful. I I went through something similar, so I I feel for you. But I mean, you're doing really amazing, amazing work through all of that now. Something beautiful has grown. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Talk Purity to Me and how you started it. Okay. I guess it was late. Yeah, it was late 2019. So we had no idea the pandemic <laughs> was about to be upon working, us here. Working around <laughs> the corner. We were all just carefree out yep. there, <laughs> loving our lives. And I started like just thinking more about like purity culture as an institution, purity culture at, you know, in the very real ways it was still affecting my life. And like, I started just wondering like, Hey, like what, how's everyone else doing? Let's, let's check in. And, <laughs> Not great. Not well. <laughs> how are we feeling out there tonight? Yeah. <laughs> no. So I put it on my own personal Instagram uh, which is private, you know, it's not a huge anything, but I put it on my own stories over there. I was like, how has purity culture affected you in your adult life? And the number of responses and like the very just heart-wrenching things that I was hearing, I was like, one, I felt very honored that people like felt they could share these things with me, but I was like, whoa, like this is beyond what I can imagine like the, like I just didn't expect it because another thing about purity culture is like talking about sex in almost any context is not okay like you're not really supposed to like talk about these things mm -hmm. they're like sacred you know like it was very like I never really talked to people about sex I know that sounds wild like it's like how is that possible but you just don't like it's just mm -hmm. not something you do mm -hmm. and so I had never really like opened up about anything like that before. And, and I, I could tell that a lot of people who were responding to me also had never felt like they had a place to open up about purity culture, their first experiences with sex, like, you know, after they got married in a very purity culture, like environment, um, mm -hmm. you know, people 10 years into marriage still struggling, like, you know, things like that. So I was like, this is, I'm a very much like a, okay, here's a problem. Let's like, what can we do? We got to do something about this. So I started like trying to figure out like, what can we do? Like, are there like qualified, you know, sex therapists or sex educators in our area? Can I like recommend, you know, I was like trying to think of something and I was like, well, this all started on Instagram. Maybe I'll just like put up, you know, start a separate account. And we can just, like, talk about things. And I can just, mm -hmm. like, share things that I'm thinking, things that I've experienced. And that is how it started. That's amazing. <laughs> nice. Be the change you wish to see. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what do you hope, now that the platform has grown and it's people from all over the world and not just your, your little community, what do you hope people get from Talk Purity to Me? I think the biggest thing that 
just like the whole point of it is whenever anyone is you know taking in my content or whatever and they're like I've always felt this but I never knew how to say it or like I did that exact same thing or I went through that exact same thing or I thought I was the only one like that is really the whole point because we were all taught to be so silent and just like not open up about these things for so long that it's like kind of just like a sigh of relief sometimes for people I think they're like oh yeah that was so fucked up and like I I never knew that anyone else was talking about how fucked up this was like now I know that other people see the the messed up stuff that Mm -hmm. I went through and like the church like even if you bring up issues a lot of times the church will tell you like you're the problem and then you internalize that you're like maybe the problem wasn't purity culture maybe the problem was me and it's like no no like (laughs) the problem was purity culture the whole time like gotcha like you're 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 valid and like the issues that you're having related to purity culture and all of that indoctrination Mm -hmm. right Right. It's such a critical thing to have because trying to unlearn a lot of those lessons that were deeply, deeply ingrained in us when we were young is really challenging. And not everybody has the means to, you know, go to therapy mm-hmm. <laughs> or, uh, you know, any anything else like that. So I think having a really easy to access platform to get support like that is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm definitely like no sex educator or therapist. I don't have any of that training. I'm just like, I grew up in purity culture. I went through a lot of stuff with it. And so, yeah, I just try to use my platform to talk about it and then also promote people who are qualified to, you mm-hmm. know, address address these issues. Like, I feel very grateful that I was able to get some sex education through Erica Smith, who I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. like, but I know that unfortunately that's not accessible to everyone. So, you know, I, I'm very grateful that I was able to get it, but yeah, I know that like some people just, they're just trying to, you know, looking around in the dark, looking for any like resource or anyone who's saying the things that like they're thinking, you know, feeling (laughs) alone. Validation for sure. Yeah. Empowerment, validation. Awesome. Yeah, it's extremely, extremely important work. Uh, I know that I I went to the internet when I was trying to deconstruct a lot of purity culture and Christianity bullshit. <laughs> Not that all Christianity is bullshit, just the I was taught a lot of bullshit. Um, <laughs> nice. So, yeah, super, super important. Um, and thank you for, for creating that space for people. Yeah. Um, where can people find Talk Purity to Me? Tell the people. We want to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm on um, Instagram and TikTok and Twitter as well. Um, a lot of my most my my hottest takes are usually on Twitter. If you want to be over there, I don't have as <laughs> Aren't many. They all? Aren't all the hottest <laughs> takes on Twitter? <laughs> but yeah, so um, but yeah, I just and it's just at Talk Purity to me, right? No, yeah, Talk Purity all one to word, me. No underscores. No okay. underscores. I got them all. I got all the handles like Pokemon. Got to catch them all, you know. Yeah, just- <laughs> Brandon Queen over here. That's smart. Yeah, we're jealous, but mostly because our name is too long for Twitter, so we had to make we had to sacrifice oh, no. some vowels. <laughs> I know. I hate that. 
<laughs> awesome. Uh, well, everyone should definitely go follow Blair. You're, I mean, I find it very healing, all, all of your content. Yeah. It, it makes me feel happy and seen, and it makes me chuckle sometimes. You... <laughs> yes. Definitely I love to laugh. Often. Often. It's yeah. so important to me. <laughs> La- we got to laugh at our trauma. Or yes. else. <laughs> it's just I mean, trauma. Even if you didn't grow up in purity culture, it's still really interesting. It's kind of like lifting the curtain into you know, different viewpoints and maybe understanding some other people in your life and why they, you know, have specific views or have specific hangups even. So definitely even from a non-religious perspective, it's still really interesting. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, a lot of us, there's obviously in the United States, at least a big exodus from religious spaces, church numbers are going down. So no matter how much churches try to tell us that, you know, they're, they're holding strong, like we know that people are leaving these like traditional religious spaces. Maybe they're not leaving religion altogether, but like there's a lot of us out there. And, you know, like you said, Jen, like if you're in relationship with people who maybe grew up in these types of ideologies or you just want to understand it better, like if you're any kind of like healthcare provider, mental health worker, I highly recommend, I'm not saying just my page, but like (laughs) acquaint yourself with these ideas because you would not believe how prevalent they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just in everyday American culture, it's, it extends beyond religion. Like we were talking about earlier, like I got this stuff in my public schools too. So it extends way beyond the walls of a church. Like, it's very common. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That is well said. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. <laughs> Blair, thank you so much for joining us. This, yes. Thank I you. am so jazzed on this episode. So you've been an amazing <laughs> guest yeah. and I think people are going to learn a lot from this. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys. Or thank you all. This was really fun. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Sex Ed Shouldn't Suck. If you haven't already, you should please go give Blair a follow on any and all of the social media platforms that she is on. She is a gem and hilarious and comforting and all those good things. If you would like to get in touch with us at all, you can find our email is hello at sexedshouldn'tsuck.com or you can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at sexedshouldn'tsuck. We also have a contact form on our website, sexedshouldn'tsuck.com. If you're heading on over to our website, go check out our shop. We've got really neat shirts and hats and mugs and stickers. Who doesn't love a good sticker? I love stickers. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, go check out our Patreon. Also under Sex Ed Shouldn't Suck, we've got all kinds of different rewards for the different tiers of levels of support, including episode shout outs. And I'm going to take this moment to shout out to our patron, Bill. Thank you, Bill. We love and appreciate you. Your support means the entire world to us. Ah, what's next? Newsletter. Have you all subscribed to the newsletter on Substack called That Time of the Month? If you haven't, you definitely should. I do a little recap of what's going on in the podcast world for Sex Ed Shouldn't Suck. And I also do a bit of a deep dive into different topics that we've covered that month, as well as 
the different kinds of sex education policy happening around the United States. So if you want to keep up to date on that, please go follow our newsletter. It comes out on the last, oh, I think it's the last weekday of every month. I don't know. It it comes out when it comes out, you know, just like all of us. (laughs) Finally, I want to thank Kent Soliday for mastering our sound. We couldn't do it without you. (laughs) Join us next week when Jen and I tackle the tough topic of sexually transmitted infections, better known as STIs, or if you grew up with sex ed in the 90s and 2000s, you probably knew them as STDs. We are going to talk about that distinction as well as a bunch of other stuff like misinformation and how STI education could be taught in a way that doesn't suck. Because that's what we're about here. Making things not suck. Except for the people that want to suck. I don't know. It's okay to suck sometimes. Anyways, we normally have a fun little clip here at the end, but we don't have one for this episode. So instead, I am just going to say genuinely from the heart, Love you lots. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. No, you know what? We need to do something because there's always an outro on this podcast. Always has been. Always will be. Even if it's just me. Adding things at the end. And nobody said I could do this. But I'm doing it anyway. And I have... I really don't know what else to say. I'm just gonna... I'm just going to stop now. Thank you all.